Cogs in the machine Click into motion Everything's an inch From where it was I've known so many who do Put the peace before the problem Like a prop Sometimes when I'm lonely at night, I put on what are called ASMR videos from the internet. Basically, someone pretends to whisper in your ear that they like you. That's not really a fair representation, but that's the part that I like. What feels like intimacy. Last night I put on one of these videos, which role-played that I was a witch about to go on a journey. There was nothing wrong with the video itself. In fact, it's a go-to favorite of mine, which I've enjoyed several times before. But last night it wasn't doing the trick. Eventually I gave up on sleep. Instead, I found myself researching how to fight loneliness. Common wisdom is to keep busy connect with nature, practice gratitude, not compare myself to other people, and, of course, to seek genuine connections with other folks, which, for me, is absolutely impossible. So I shift my attention to my work. I figure if I have to be awake, at least I can be productive. I put on the day's most recent field recordings, which I have yet to sort or archive. I'm surprised to suddenly articulate to myself that these recordings are serving two purposes. I'm learning what's going on in Lulu. Good, that's a big part of my job. But also, I feel in a deep down way, a way that has something to do with the soul that I'm actually a little bit warmed by the glow of people actually being present for one another. I could feel the loneliness start to dissipate listening to these recordings. Okay, example. Let's say I'm listening to the Coons family dinner. I tell myself I'm there for professional reasons, purely reconnaissance. But when I listen, I imagine myself sitting there with the family in the empty seat next to the heirloom china hutch where Roy's father, who they call Gamby, sits for Thanksgiving dinner. Suddenly I'm not thinking about recon anymore. I'm imagining passing the bean casserole, getting up to get something going, everybody okay, anybody need anything? 
bringing my grandma's peach cobbler for dessert. I haven't made that cobbler in years. The secret ingredient is ground cloves. I'm never in situations anymore where I can tell people that I can't tell them the secret ingredient. When I find myself on accidental tangents like these, I think a couple things. For one, I try to learn from where my mind has drifted. What inner need is being shown to me, which hopefully I can address in a more deliberate way. Like, okay, Thanksgiving fantasy, I guess you miss your family. For another, when I realize I'm using the privilege of my information for personal comfort, I feel like a hypocrite. I try to imagine myself in another life, another circumstance, learning that someone had, say, tapped my phones with the best of intentions, intentions to do with protecting me and my family. I would want something like justice to be served to that person for, I guess, violating me. So I can only imagine Lulu, people I love, what Lulu would feel about me if they knew I existed. And then I feel like the scum of the earth and really unimpressed or, I don't know, unconvinced by my own intentions. I cannot wait to walk away from the contradictions that come with this business. But who knows what that would take. Anyhow, speaking of bugging phones, I've picked up a call from the landline telephone belonging to Tamara Tillman and Chesterfield Brownie Brown. A new voice. The voice of Brownie's cousin, who's been staying here in Lulu for several days now. This cousin is always stomping around in baggy black clothes and jangly necklaces, with a penchant for face paint and what looks like Halloween masks. He likes to look frightening. For now, I just call him Mask. M-A-S-K. Mask. So, I get a call from my cousin, not unusual. I find myself a gap in the calendar and think I can be helpful. Make a couple meanwhile, so I go. At first seem pretty small potatoes. Watch where we go, grab that tracker sketch, easy peas. But we got designs on bigger things. But I, uh, I'm not accustomed to being noticed, and I don't intend to get that way. And I'm getting that way. I snag the thing in the line someplace. Box of Tic Tacs, white ones. Put them in the pocket, no big thing. Buy kitty litter, the milk, kind of stuff you do every day. Box of milk, by the way. What's this, 1952, a box of milk? I have the whole transaction, I give my cash, and I see the look of this guy. This guy doesn't like me, out of towner maybe. Doesn't take kindly to strangers routine, but I think, no, not that. This guy does not like me. And I look back and this lady does not like me. And I look over to the next dial, and this guy doesn't like me neither. So you like, yeah, I, I just came in through like swinging doors of some saloon and the piano player stops in that. So I buy the milk, and I walk, 
And I check my six, and there's this lady pointing at me, you know, doing the universal tic-tac gesture, and I'm like, great, I'm getting tattled on. And out come this hero guy, scope out the car, scope out me, pull out his phone, taking down the plates. Now, don't you tell me this guy just jot down some plates on account of these ticky-tackies. You know, they got a talk problem around here. So we get back to the place, cause it's not there. I call my cousin, I tell him what it was. They're not used to strange people. They take plates on everybody to come through. You do something? I got the kitty that they asked. He said, and? Like I got something else to say. And milk. And I took a box of Tic Tacs. He doesn't say something that sound like he mad. He take a deep breath and say, Bud, I'm glad you're here. You're doing a nice job so far, and you are gonna make us rich. And I say, that's right. Thank you. And he say, but next time, and I say, yeah. And he say, I'll buy the Tic Tacs. You know, like, save it up for the big game. And I tell him, it isn't about money. That ain't my thing. So I like to steal stuff. And I think he gets that. But I promise him. And then we laugh because that same lady, that same lady who told on me, the look on her face in that, would have loved to see her look one week before. Before, if she'd seen me take her car out of her driveway and scrap it for parts so they can't track it and crush what's left over. And that's what you get for telling on me. You know, I pick up on this kind of information from time to time. Crime that isn't the crime I'm looking for. My guiding principle is to live and let live, as long as your actions don't create a victim. But if you're out there stealing cars, you know, you have created a victim. So what am I going to do? Run around like some kind of vigilante Batman? Should I send my illegal recording to the police station? Past efforts of that kind have not been productive. And Lulu police are very busy with other things. Hooper's Hill, yes, and all the problems that originate there. But other problems too. Deputy Steve Steves the Fourth. I don't make any bones about admiring that woman. I love that woman, and I know that she's married. I love her for the swiftness of her justice. I love her for the steadfast focus of her attention. I love her for the cleanliness of her squad car. All I know to do is be the best cop I can be. The kind of cop Mary Ann O'Connell can rely on. So when I got word I was put up for a commendation for the carjacking incident at Profanity Point, yes, I was touched. And we have our little ceremony, and I receive my commendation. And Mary Ann comes up to me with this. It is the most beautiful watch I've ever seen. And it is the happiest moment of my life. And I go home, and I just, I just stare at it. And weep. <laughs> and just stare at it and weep. I've been thinking about the relationship between cops and watches the gold watch at the end of your career and I think this isn't a goodbye watch this is a hello watch and then uh, a few days later I'm standing downtown directing traffic after school 
patting the precious little kids on the head as they cross with their little backpacks while I'm holding my flag there in the intersection. And up drives one Carl O'Connell. And I hold him there a moment so Dr. Bobby Trout can cross the street. And I look at Carl, then I smile, and I nod, and I wave, and he smiles, and he waves, and he changes. He takes on this wild look, this disturbing, contorted wince, and he climbs out of his truck, right there at the intersection. He just leaves it idling in the middle of the road. And I guess he accidentally hits the windshield wipers on the way out, and he just doesn't care. And he comes up to me, and I don't know if it's a reflex or a defense mechanism, but I I just stick out my hand, like, to greet him. And he reaches for my hand, too, but he doesn't shake it. He holds it. Holds it. Holds it hard. And he pulls my hand up close to his eye, and he says, Where did you get this watch. I say, I, I, and he says, where did you get this watch? And he's completely possessed. And I don't want to get in trouble. And I don't want to get Marianne in trouble. And I, I don't want Carl to take my watch. And I just stand there for way too long, looking at him People are looking at us from the sidewalk and cars are honking and Carl O'Connell shouts at me. Where did you get this watch? And I say, the store? Deputy Steves takes his fresh hairdo and his uniform with its razor-sharp creases to J.C. Penny portraits of the Spring Coulee Mall. He poses without a smile, holding his commendation. The image is printed, framed, 
and placed beside those of Deputy Steve's one through three on the mantle. He does a 40-minute isometric exercise routine on the living room floor. He showers vigorously. He pours almond milk and protein powder into his drink shaker, what he calls a light, healthy dinner. On the south side, Chesterfield Brownie Brown. Been thinking about it long and hard. I think Angus Jackson's my guy. Pretend to bump into him at the store, feel him out, see if we can't strike up a deal, get two birds stoned at once. I understand. Unfortunately, Angus is in a bind. And I got myself a uh, particular need. Uh, business me and my cousin are getting off the ground. Not a... Not a... Not the kind of thing you tell the IRS. Biggest thing we need now is a place. Somewhere it doesn't get looked at, doesn't have our fingerprints all over it. A, a place that isn't home. Angus has his hang-ups. I'm kicking the tires on other ideas. And a couple of days later, I hear from him. Calls me over. Me and my cousin drive out there for recon. Go look at the barn from the road. Cousin says, it'll do, but he doesn't want Angus to see him, so I drop him off in the woods next to the orchard, say, I'll be right back, and I go. Give Angus a rundown on how I need storage and that. He takes me on a walk outside where Lena isn't, and he says, storing what? You got that whole junkyard with that pole barn half empty? And I say, I'm more of a pole barn half full kind of guy, because I'm being funny. And I say, I need a place covered. The pole barn doesn't have walls. And he says, If you're asking what I think you're asking, I'm very disappointed. So I think he's saying no. But he points at the barn, starts talking about how his grandpa built it, and it's special in that. Says, If you think I'm going to get on board for some funny business, you got to make it worth all the sleep I'm going to lose. Haggles the hell out of me. Talks me into way more than what I went in expecting. Well, he's the only person I trust enough who has what I need. So we talk specifics. Hours I can come. How long I can stay. How long I have to stay. Don't want it looking like a drug deal. The who's and the what's in the house. He says he doesn't want to hear one word about what I'm doing out there. We make a gentleman's agreement. I guess I must have been excited because I go home to tell the lady the good news and it's a good three hours before my cousin walks in through the front door. Pissed I forgot him in the woods and that. Calls me names. Well, he'll be over all that when we roll out our first batch. When my hometown languished in the way Lulu is languishing now, it was the fighting over crumbs among neighbors that really got to me. Really deceitful strategies to gain, in the grand scheme of things, really puny temporary advantages over who we call friends. I admit I was guilty of that too. It's hard when you're hungry. In Lulu, I see... Complicity in things people wouldn't otherwise do. The manufacture of drugs, theft, 
let's go a little deeper into the matter of the stolen car. Melba Carnes. I'd put in a late one at the school, gearing up for graduation. I love those kids, but they get like this, and I could murder them in cold blood. So, Westport's sounding pretty good. Just me and Eric, no kids allowed. First day of summer break. But I roll in late, and I'm pretty sure I saw a guy in the driveway. A man in a workman's jacket. 90% sure I caught a flash of him in the headlights, lurking there next to Eric's old Dodge. And then he kind of zips off behind the shed into the woods. The motion sensor light out back went on, but it does that all the time, especially lately with the wolves all stalking around. And I get to thinking, and I'm pretty sure I saw a big white work truck out there on the service road. I think it had a rack on top with a ladder. I didn't think much of it at the time, but we wake up the next morning and the Dodge turns up missing. There's been some crime lately all up and down the valley, theft, break-ins. And this has me thinking about, you know, the trip. The boys home alone upward of a week or two. I'm not going to the coast to fret and worry and get robbed again. So I talked to Eric, and it sounds like we reach an agreement. Motion-activated floodlights in the front to match the back. Security camera at the door. Security camera on the driveway where he was. And we're looking into an alarm system. And we're not the only ones, be it the kind that goes whoop, 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 or Angus Jackson giving that homeless kid a gun. Things have changed. The new mayor. The wolves. The strangers, the smell, the shops closing, the memory trouble, the thing on Hooper's Hill, the caravans of cargo trucks coming and going in the night. It isn't the same Lulu. I've said before that there's always a harbinger to the kind of trouble I'm tracking down here in Lulu. It was the sudden boom of the wolf population that first flagged my concern for this place. I trust animals to see things I can't see. It's well documented the way animals can sense all kinds of things. Pending disasters, pregnancy, disease, the ill-intentioned person we don't know not to trust but the house cat just instinctively hates and swipes at them. There's been a turn of events here. I don't know yet if we're looking at an abandonment, an abduction, or something else entirely. I do know it's something I've never seen before. Police Sergeant Mary Ann O'Connell Folks are coming to me. They're saying, Mary Ann, I'm so sorry about your chickens. But that's not what they're saying. They're saying, what are you doing about this? I know it isn't enough to say carry a gun. That sounds a lot like ambivalence or impotence. We need to have the wolf pack acknowledged and named. It's not up for debate anymore. 
So I gotta kick it into high gear here before another crisis comes around. Hey, and then another crisis comes around. The cat's missing. No, I didn't say that, right? The cats are missing. All of the cats. Our cat. Brownie's cat, Mookie. The Carn's cat. Bobby Trout's Bangle Baby. The kittens. At Sally Langren's pet shop. Okay, people, I'm sorry, but I don't believe the wolves picked our locks, went from house to house, kidnapped cats, killed cats even. Where's the blood? A pack of wolves is not a silent occurrence. But every report I took on this started with the wolves got my cat. My cat's with chickens now. There are almost a hundred cats confirmed missing. A little bit of housekeeping. The Hooper's Hill special Stonewood is rolling out in audiobook format. You can find it now on audiobooks.com, Scribed, Google Play, and others. Stonewood will be available through additional distributors in the coming days and weeks, including Audible. Some links to Stonewood have just gone up on the homepage of ontopofhoopershill.com under News. We hope you check it out. And... If you like it, it would help us out a lot if you would leave a review and help spread the word. Thank you. The cogs in the machine break down to particles. The nickel, pickle, articles, ho and hum. They call me dumb If they call me anything Oh, I wish that I was wrong Where is the satisfaction In the alarm I'll bite my thumb But not my tongue Welcome to Lulu Lulu